and sometimes with the help of that glorious adult juice we call liquor. First, we want to acknowledge the lands on which we are recording our podcast today. I'm currently recording on the unceded territories of the Coquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Musqueam, Squamish, Kakite, and Stolo First Nations. And I am currently recording on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people. And I acknowledge that the land I am on is covered by Treaty 13, signed by the Mississaugas of the Credits, and the Williams Treaty signed with the multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. Today we'll be discussing the Little House series by Laura Ingalls Wilder. We'll be mainly discussing the first and second installments, Little House in the Big Woods and Little House on the Prairie, due to their popularity. And a quick content warning, a negative racial stereotypes and depictions of indigenous peoples. Like, a lot. Yeah. All right, what are we drinking today? So, very proud of this. It's the only conceivable drink I can think of that matches this book, and it's my little half pint of sweet cider, half drunk up. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah, it's just cider. But I was like, the name, it's already there, because that's what Pa calls Laura. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I guess I'm drinking cider. <laughs> there we go. That works. Yep, I go. didn't think about that. I made a whiskey sour, but with Ooh. maple syrup instead of simple syrup because they have the whole bit where they uh, get yeah. the syrup from the trees. So I'm calling it sugar snow because that's that what sounds delicious though. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Wow. And I have a bad rep with cocktails on this podcast. Oh, that's so I'm awesome! Very proud. I've made a good cocktail. <laughs> That's good. I was going to try and make something with uh, bourbon because the only liquor I had in my house was this tiny bottle of bourbon. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I don't have it in me to like come up with a cocktail. But that sounds delicious. I'm proud right. of you. Thank you. <laughs> I've job. come a long way from that, from many of my cocktails I've attempted. Yeah. I mean, some of them didn't taste good, but some of them were good. And I'm thinking of the uh, power drill. What my iconic was cocktail. actually iconic, um, and that Very one wasn't iconic. the worst because no, it just definitely. tasted like Orange Crash. It was just sugar. Yeah. Um, I think the worst one was that uh, the polyjuice potion attempt. Oh god, because yeah. I didn't quite have the right stuff because it was like lime sorbet and like some stuff doesn't exist in Canada. Yeah. So yep. that I think that was the worst one. Yeah, it was yeah. chunky. It was very chunky. You don't want I a chunky drink. I definitely didn't let it melt. Because yeah. I think I was in a rush and I just like made it and I was like, <laughs> like here we go. Made here. Anyways. Yeah. So I think I read Little House in uh, the Big Woods when I was about eight or nine years old. Like I, I think of my grade three class when I think of this book. So I mm-hmm. think we read it in class. I'm not sure. Maybe I just read it on my own with a couple yeah. friends at the same time. But it definitely sparked an interest in like history and like the pioneers as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, quote unquote, and um, yeah, we're putting big, big <laughs> little asterisks around pioneers. pioneers. Yeah. Uh, also, whenever I say pioneers now, I think of the SpongeBob episode, like the pioneers oh used to ride these babies for miles. <laughs> oh my God, SpongeBob, the cultural touchstone of a generation. It truly is. And so I think I read Little House on the Prairie, but I don't remember finishing it. Like I remembered like the first mm. quarter to third of the book. Um, and I think I watched an episode or two, or an episode, ugh, wow, yeah. words. You might have watched them at my two. house. I think we had some of them on DVD. Yeah, maybe that or, was Not it. DVD, cassette, I don't know. Because I remember one where, like, Mary goes to, like, some, like, academic thingy-majig and wins an award. Oh, yeah. And she gets upset because she didn't win first. 
Yeah, I remember the one where Pa, like, fixes a little girl's shoe because one of her legs is, like, a different length than the other one, and then the dad gets mad at him, and I was like, why? For doing it, I see. Why? Weird. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, But, yeah. Um, But I would have rated it, like, an 8 out of 10 as a kid. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably got into them about the same age as you, maybe, like, 7 or 8 or something, and I, I am pretty sure that my mom read them to me. It I don't think it was for school, or if it was, it came after mm-hmm. because i think i got the box set for christmas one year or something yeah um yeah and i think that this series also for me sparked an interest in the big quotes pioneers <laughs> uh yeah i think there's something about that era that really appeals to little kids i think it's because often it's really romanticized and like adventure story yeah and there's something sort of anachronistic about it that little kids like to pretend that they're in like quote the old times mm-hmm like, half of the games that we played on in the school year as kids were, like, old-timey games. Right, so yeah. I think that this is just an appealing era for children for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I know that I saw some of the TV show, but I definitely didn't watch it all because I googled it. There's nine seasons. That's insane. It's a lot. That's, That's so a lot. long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that they were just very loosely based on yeah. the book series but well the book series does me. not have enough content for no there's not season. enough plot <laughs> we'll get into that yeah uh anyway i think i probably also would have rated it like about an eight out of ten mm-hmm. i think back then yeah but our opinions have changed stay oh, tuned how they ever <laughs> we'll get into they that ever. but before we do that let's a uh, quick synopsis the little house series is an autobiographical account of wilder's childhood and adolescence The books focus on her childhood, but a few are about her husband's childhood, and then she goes on to tell her daughter's story, who eventually helped to edit the series. Little House in the Big Woods was published in 1932 and follows a year in the life of Laura's family and their day-to-day lives as Laura watches and learns from her parents' homestead skills. In Little House on the Prairie, published in 1935, the family moves out west when the woods become too crowded with other inhabitants. The family faces challenges adapting to life in a different climate and struggle with tensions from the indigenous peoples that inhabit the land. The family finds out that they are illegally settled in land that is recognized as Osage territory and decide to move before they are forced out by soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think we need to just address it right off the bat. We can't save this for later on. It's these books are racist as fuck. Like let's just talk about it. Yeah, so mostly Prairie. Um Prairie's been heavily criticized for its depiction of indigenous peoples and the fact that Mm -hmm. Laura's family illegally settles on recognized indigenous lands. Yeah. Um and it's not even subtle micro racism micro racisms. Wow, words today. Micro (laughs) racisms. I'm not going to bother anymore because that's not going to come out right. <laughs> um, that are worth uh, that are worth bringing up uh, as a, like a discussion of why it's problematic. It's just straight up racist and problematic. Yeah, it's super racist. Like to a point, if you can't see how racist it is, like there's no hope for you. Like, yeah. um, or you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you got like, a lot of learning. Yeah, from the very way that they are described by the narrator to yeah. the characters' reactions and their like less than human views. Yeah. Like um, I was a little wary going into the series about how colonialism was going to be brought up, but I truly did not remember no. how much it played to Prairie. Like, which is why I think no. I um, stopped. Like, I stopped reading it right before I think it all really came in, and it's very hard to read. So I'm like going to straight up say right now, like I don't think Prairie is worth a reread or worth being yeah. read in any kind of educational form. And like I said, I don't remember why I stopped reading this book when I was eight. I'd like to think 
it's because it made me uncomfortable and I knew enough that these were very outdated views, but like, I honestly can't remember, but I'm glad I didn't finish it as a kid. And uh, I honestly didn't want to finish it this time around, but yeah, I did for the sake of the podcast. It's like, it just kept getting worse and worse. It got progressively. I was, every time I read a new chapter heading, I was like, even the chapter headings are racist. Like, what the fuck? And just like, it's like it can't get worse. It got worse. It got worse. Like you're like that had to be the worst one. And you're like, nope, it gets. Worse. And, and then the next chapter appears, and you're like, oh no. Oh, so bad. Yeah. yeah. Like we could spend this whole episode discussing it, but like we shouldn't need to explain why this depiction is like extremely racist. And I don't really yeah. want to spend an hour talking about something that's so upsetting and quite obvious. So yeah. we're just gonna say like, we're just gonna leave it at that. I, I'm gonna leave it at that at least. Yeah, I, I have a, a few thoughts, mm-hmm. but then we can yeah, move for on. Sure. So. I say as I I glance at the page of text I have written about. (laughs) So, no, I I 100% agree with you. Like, I think that there's a reason that we don't really talk about these books anymore Mm -hmm. and why little kids these days have no idea about the story or about the characters that we knew about, like, 20 years ago. And I think the reason is very likely the super racist tone of these books. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like you, I know that there would be... I, I, I knew coming into it that there would be some un- uncomfortable colonial views and, like, maybe a little bit of racism, like, typical of the era, but I just was not expecting it to be so clearly, repeatedly, mm-hmm. blatantly racist. Uh, and I do not remember it being like that when I read these books, like, 18 years ago. Right. Uh, so I think, clearly, I was, like, less critical of a reader back then. I didn't have as much of an understanding of why it was problematic, but I just did not remember... Like, I was struck by how little of these books I actually remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it was extremely hard to get through. I'm glad that we're just doing the first two books because it was honestly painful to finish this one, and I don't think I could have done more of them. Yeah. I don't think the other yeah. books are even, like, that popular. It's really these two. I think that were the yeah, popular I ones. Think so. so Yeah. And, and, like, the books are so entrenched in, like, the settler versus indigenous people's plotline that you can't really separate it. Mm-hmm. It's basically... Like, this issue consumes the last two-thirds of the second book. Mm-hmm. And, like, the main antagonist in the first book was nature. It's, like, a sort of human versus nature mm-hmm. plot line if you're yeah. going to give it, like, a sort of grade 8 English yeah. reading. <laughs> Which is sometimes useful, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the second book is, it's very problematically set out to be, like, settlers versus indigenous people mm-hmm. who are depicted as the antagonists. Yeah. Uh, that's a big yikes and a nope from me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, other than like the the blatant racism, the thing that interested me most about Little House was specifically like the politics of land settlement, Mm -hmm. because that's something I think as a little kid, I wouldn't have picked up on like at all. Yeah. Uh, There's sort of a subtle commentary going on here that I mean, I'm I'm not (laughs) it's not a good commentary, but like we can sort of take the reverse out of it. Mm hmm. Um, like, although we're meant to see the Angles as, like, the heroes of the story, for modern readers, it is very clear that the Indigenous peoples on whose lands they're settling are the victims yeah. of, of the plot, like, and the government's push to settle the Midwest at this mm-hmm. time. Uh, so they're being, like, actually pushed off their land and forced to migrate further west. Um, but near the end of the book, we find out that due to, like, a government treaty, the land can't be settled, and the Ingalls have to move, and that's sort of, like, the the big event at the end of this book that propels it into the next book. Mm-hmm. So the narrator explicitly depicts this as, like, a terrible and unjust thing to happen, 
to to the Ingalls family, but as modern audiences, the the opposite is clearly true. Oh, like yeah. it has the absolute opposite effect to what was intended. Mm-hmm. Like clearly, the settlers are in the wrong here, settling on lands that they know they're not supposed to be settling mm-hmm. on, and then getting pissed off when they have to leave. Yeah, like it's so it's I can't even I can't I even know, with yeah. this book. Um, yeah, I just think it's it, it is interesting to me that like the central thesis of the book has been completely reversed with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for like a critical reader. Um, and we, we see the Ingalls and the other settlers as the perpetrators in this book. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to root for them. Like, you can't, you can't, you kind of hate them by the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And although the, the main instances of racism occur between the settlers and the indigenous communities, we also see, like, some instances of racism with, like, other people of color in the narrative, uh, namely African-Americans. Um, so in Big Woods, Pa sings a song with racist language and stereotypes mm, yep. that comes out of nowhere and then just disappears again. Yep. And it's it's like the main instance in the first book that where I was like, oh, no, OK, this is going to be worse than I thought. Yeah. And then we get to Prairie and I'm like, ah, aha, yeah. here it is. Like, that's what I expected was like, yeah, like just side little, comments, the songs, yeah, Pa sings not like and the entire stuff. Plot. And, uh, yeah, I didn't expect the whole entire plot <laughs> yeah. of the second book. Yeah. And then... Yeah, in Prairie, Laura, she makes some comments about the doctor who saves the family from mm-hmm. malaria uh, that obviously read is very problematic because she's essentially suspicious of him due to his race. Mm-hmm. And although she ends up liking him, it's really in spite of his skin color that she likes him. It's like a condition. Yeah. Um, and it it maintains the same issues of racism. Like, there isn't any growth because of this. Like... Nothing is resolved by her liking him because she's still putting forward these racist views. Yeah. She's like, he's black, but I like him. Yeah, it was such a weird what moment. What the fuck? Yeah. It's a weird moment. It was very like, strange. What a weird yeah. thing to I was kind of like, why did you put this in? What? Like, yeah. I guess if that did really happen, like, it is autobiographical. So, mm-hmm. but it's still like, that was so strange. It's the, what was yeah. the point of that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the, the issue here is that. Yes, it's autobiographical, but the narrator's tone and language don't have to be so biased and so racist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So there's a way of reporting facts that isn't problematic. And, and the, yeah, right, anyway, yeah. This, this was just far past that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a big yikes. I, I feel like I've said my piece. We can move on now. All right, great. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to talk about, a bit about the plot again. Uh, moving away mm-hmm. from the plot to a different plot yeah. um so there's obviously a huge difference between big woods and prairie uh like big woods reads as like a very innocent cute depiction of how a family survived in the 1860s in the big woods and then in prairie laura and her family face a lot more difficulties and dangers including the family getting sick from malaria and tensions yeah. with the neighboring indigenous communities and generally adapting to a different climate and terrace but i was surprised by how little plot there actually is in yes. big woods yeah like I there's no before plot. I read it, yeah, I was like I can't remember the plot, and then I realized it's because there isn't one. There isn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I had no recollection of the first book because there's nothing happens. Like I remember the kind of like activities and like and like moments of it, but I realized that was the whole book. Um, yeah. So it made it a bit of a dull read because there's not really any kind of climbing action. Like it's like Anne of Green Gables was a bit like that, but Anne at least had a bit more of an o- overarching plot. And, like, Anne was growing as a character, whereas this one, it just really felt like it did not go anywhere. 
And then, but Prairie, of course, has a much more intense plot line. Um, but I was surprised by the jump and the difference between the two books. Like, it makes sense that they would naturally grow more mature as Laura grows, but it was a very stark contrast, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, Big Woods essentially had no plot at all. It's mm-hmm. just a descriptive narrative yeah. about, like, the lifestyle that the English the Ingalls family are living in the wilderness and, like, the struggles that they face, which are mainly environmental struggles, like the harsh winter weather or dangerous animals. They're, most of the, like, episodes in the first book are encounters with wild animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there's there was this tiny little confused corner of my brain that always somehow conflated Anne of Green Gables and Laura from Little House on the Prairie, and I think it's because... In my childhood brain, I was like, they're both sort of pioneer, spunky mm-hmm. little girls who get into trouble in the wilderness. Uh, clearly, as an adult, I'm like, no, there are some very big differences oh, between yeah. these books. Uh, but yeah, I think that the reason maybe partially as well that I confused them in my brain a little bit is because they're both very descriptive of the wilderness in sort of like poetic terms. Mm-hmm. Especially the first book I thought had some really nice descriptions of of the wilderness and like the the sort of family environment especially at night like paul playing his yeah music and stuff like it was very pretty mm-hmm. at at moments yeah um but i think where the big woods and prairie fall short is their lack of like substance or plot and also like less enchanting or interesting characters mm-hmm. like Anne is endearing mm-hmm. because she's multifaceted and spunky and Laura is just kind of petulant and annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that like she's very young in the first few books, but it's it's hard to get into a book where the main character is so annoying. Mhm. Yeah. Another thing I was a little wary of going into this uh these novels were uh gender roles. So although like the parents do take on very gender normative homestead rules, um it was, like, very depicted as, like, Ma does this. It, or it wasn't depicted as, like, Ma does this because she's a woman and Pa does this because he's a man. It was just, like, yeah. this is what Ma and Pa do. But it is interesting to note that, like, it was never questioned by Laura, like, why those jobs were assigned to them. Um, and, like, there weren't too many moments of, like, girls do this and boys do this. But there are a few moments where Laura expresses that she wished she were a boy because she felt they had more freedom than girls. Yeah, I think that is something that I knew to expect from these books but it's it's still so frustrating to encounter it mm-hmm. um like these poor kids are actually in the middle of fucking nowhere with no other children to socialize with and basically no adults to socialize with mm-hmm. and yet they're still held to like the dumb societal standards placed on women right they're just like in the bush it really doesn't matter what they're doing what they look like or how they act and yet like there's very strict rules for these girls like they have to you know, dress a certain way and especially like dress differently on Sundays than the rest of the week. And like, Mm -hmm. they have to have their hair done and they uh, have to be like silent when they're at the dinner table Mm -hmm. because children should be seen and not heard. And like little girls can't play loudly outside or Mm -hmm. like with certain things or like they can't get dirty or whatever. So all, all stuff that like I remembered and expected, but it just sucks reading it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's one scene that really stuck out to me from Little House in the Big Woods, and it's, I think, because of, like, the weird representation of femininity that happens. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll rem- 
remember this, but like uh, when the fam are getting ready to go to like the dance, the the maple syrup festival dance thing that the <laughs> yeah. grandparents put on in the woods or some shit, like the women are all squeezing themselves into their corsets. And Laura has this moment where she's like thinking about womanhood and like beauty. Mm-hmm. And she thinks like, wow, my mom's really pretty because she's uh, and because she's pretty, she's, like, the best woman there um, because she has, like, the most snatched waist. Yeah, there's, like, and a she's comment like, when she got married. Yeah, it's, like, her dad when could, she like, got married, Pa yeah. could, like, span his hands around her waist mm-hmm. and she was very proud of her mother because of that. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's wild, yeah. Like, what the fuck message is this? Right. It was just a weird moment that took me out of it and I was like, hmm, I know. Yeah. I don't know how I like that. Yeah, it was very strange. That, like, Ma's value is based on the size of her waist essentially fuck that yeah i did Um, not appreciate that like at all yeah something that did interest me was um how much more laura looked up to her dad and idolized him than her mother i i felt like he kind of got the atticus finch treatment and that he's Mm -hmm. viewed as perfect like he rarely Mm -hmm. makes a mistake he seems to know what to do in every situation he seems to be a good father. He's open-minded, or the most, more open-minded towards the Osage Nation yeah. and, like, their neighbors. Uh, and is, like, all around a good da- guy. So it's almost shocking, like, to the reader, a modern reader, when he's like, oh, the government will drive the Osage Nation away and, like, yeah. back up the white people. Yeah. Obviously, they weren't using terms uh, like this uh, in the book, but I don't want to use the terms in the book, so I'm using yes. yeah, these terms. Uh, where's her mother? Like, although she still looks up to her and clearly is like a very strong and skilled woman, uh, she's very depicted as dependent on uh, Pa and, yeah. and always asks for his opinion on something, like can't sleep when he's not there. And she's like kind of the negative Nancy of the story, like questioning if something they're doing is safe. Um, but they always go with what Pa says at the end of the day. So I, th- yeah. I thought it was just interesting how much Laura idolized her dad so much more than her mom. And it seemed to be yeah. about her dad more. He He's probably one of the more complex characters, I think, that we see. Mm-hmm. Ma is very, just like, has one role in society, but also in the narrative. And I think he's probably the character that I had, like, the least issues with throughout the two books. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was slightly less problematic and more open-minded than Ma and the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's why Laura idolizes him. Like, I think it has a lot to do with, as you said, that the the boys get more freedom mm-hmm. and authority and pa really exemplifies this for her like there are yeah. um several instances where she says that she wishes she were a boy because they have more freedoms than girls do and they can like run around and play differently and mm-hmm. act differently and dress differently and yeah pa pa really exemplifies this because he's essentially like the boss of the family and can pick them up and move them on a whim like, uh, he does exactly that um, between, like, Big Woods and Prairie. He decides that the woods are too crowded because, mm-hmm. like, he saw a person in the woods the other day. He's like, it's too many people. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Which, after COVID, fair. But <laughs> <laughs> so he he packs up everything and they move. Basically, he doesn't consult his wife. He's just like, we're leaving. And she's like, okay. Yeah, he's kind of uh, like, he never objected to it. So we're leaving. And she's like, do we have to right now? He's like, yes. She's like, okay. Yes, right now. <laughs> Yeah, so she just has to go along with it mm-hmm. as he makes all of these like major decisions for them. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's frustrating. It is. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't particularly like Ma's character because she's the one who's like the most racist in Prairie. She's yeah. just like spouting her racist mumbo jumbo. It's started like very but early on. They're feel... like, "Why don't you like them, Ma?" She's like, "I just don't like them." I and just like, don't. Oh, here we go. Yeah. 
And then there's like a couple of times in Prairie, there's that line about, you know, there's no good. Yeah. I'm not even going to say it because yeah. it's such a problem. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, she she espouses some BS. But I, I do feel sorry for her having to, you know, put up with being moved around the country on a whim. Uh, another interesting thing that I noticed about Ma's character this time through is that she, I think, grew up in, like, a city and mm-hmm. was, I believe, from, like, a wealthier family and yeah. had some luxuries and then decided to marry Pot and move into the middle of nowhere in the woods. Bold move. And, yeah, it's it's mentioned a couple times, especially, I think, in the scene where she's getting all, like, cinched up mm-hmm. in her corset and she has, like, her, her special fancy lady dress on from yeah. like the old times when she lived in the city so i'm like it's east coast so maybe like new york or some some mm-hmm. settlement out there uh but yeah it was just interesting to me that she has this like one character detail and then like it's not really brought up again but she has she has these like city experiences and expectations and then pa keeps moving her to like more and more remote locations right yeah and she doesn't really complain about it, but she's clearly also not super comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a subtext that you pick up on as an adult. Yeah. Is that she doesn't seem super stoked on it, but she she doesn't complain about it. Yeah, just does it, because that's what a good wife does. Clearly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's mentioned a couple times. I remember there's something about, like, oh, Ma used to have this kind of dress before she married Pa. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely hints that she came from a little more wealth. But, yeah. Um, what I remembered most of the book was, uh, and was, was probably my favorite part was, uh, the description on how like the family made things. And as you said, like the wilderness around them and, um, or like cooking or basically their homestead skills in general. Um, I thought Wilder does like describe these things in a really great way. It's so clear. Um, and like you can imagine it so well and understand it so well, even for a child, and I think that is the biggest compliment I can give this book. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that the the descriptions were very vivid and it almost felt like you could like repeat the action that they were doing just from the instructions that we were given. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I could go build a house out of logs now because I know how to do it. Yeah, I was like, I can do that. Yeah, so I was like, cool, clear. It's clear, like Ikea instructions. We even, did your book have pictures? Mine had pictures. Yeah, I had a couple pictures, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure that that's like how they came out mm-hmm. uh i think that I, I think probably all of the editions have those pictures oh, so yeah. yeah it's it's very clear from like the descriptions and the pictures we're getting like a a, a very descriptive mm-hmm. sense of like the 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 duties and like the skills that they had yeah and i i also did find it impressive that you really had to be like a, a jack of all trades just to be able to survive back then right yeah. you know you had to be able to make your own bullets like shoot your own food grow your own food build your own house mm-hmm. like you had to be really self-sustained in a way that like modern humans cannot be oh yeah you're not self-sufficient yeah you as know a modern reader reading it i was like is like the pod character just like that good at all this stuff or like yeah. was everyone that good because he as i said like he's kind of like perfect like he seems to just yeah. know how to do all this stuff perfectly exactly it was wild yeah yeah, and it's it it is interesting because the girls aren't ever at least not in like the first couple books they don't nobody's teaching them anything school related they don't yeah. have any sort of like academic instruction at home it's academia. all just like learning they from their girls. parents they're just gonna run a house one day yeah. they don't need <laughs> academia what are you talking about 
Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> Sending girls to school? Girls need to read? But, but like... Absurd. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, all of the learning they do is just watching their parents do these tasks and then like, mm-hmm. you know, repeating them. But yeah, they were, they, they, I just, I could not, I could never build my own house, you know? It's like so impressive. Right, yeah. And I like, can't believe people did that. <laughs> when they're like talking about like churning the butter even, I'm like, I would do like yeah. five minutes tops and be like, I am yeah. <laughs> so sore and done with this. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. It's, I just, I can't imagine like being one guy building an entire house for your right. family in like a few weeks because you need to. Like right. that's just outlandish to know, me yeah. and people did it though like that's crazy i know yeah <laughs> i would not i would have they died just like <laughs> i mean this was super problematic but they just like found a spot and they're like yeah i like it here if they just built the house here yeah okay like, yeah that's what? that's that is something i wanted to talk about really badly um, yeah go for it <laughs> is property the idea of property didn't really exist i guess yeah. or not in like the same way that we understand it currently mm-hmm. but they and and the government was pushing for people to like settle the Midwest and move out, so maybe that's why the land was more like free for all. But yeah. they they basically just like let abandoned their house, mm-hmm. picked up, left, came to an open piece of land that did not appear to have any inhabitants on it, mm-hmm. and fucking built a house there, and right. that's their house now. Wild. And like, is somebody who, living who's in charge in, here? What in like the current real estate market especially in canada like especially in vancouver yeah that is the most outlandish bullshit i've ever heard in my entire life can you imagine can you imagine if your only obstacle to owning a house was building a house right instead of like buying the land like i can't even think of even if you like went out of the city and went like further up north even to like more of the wilderness areas if you'd be able to do that you couldn't. It's all like crown land. Yeah, because like yeah. someone would find you and get you get in trouble from someone. Yeah. You'd have to be paying property tax. Yeah, like, it's yeah. wild. It's fucking wild. Yeah. What a concept. And I mean, the the more nuanced like version of this is that although we're pointing out the differences, there are some similarities in that they, the Ingles, settled on like indigenous land. And we, and, like, especially me in Vancouver, because BC is unceded territory, we're mm-hmm. basically still doing that. Like, yeah, a hundred and some odd years later, like, we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just, we're paying money to do it now. Yeah, fair. Yeah, it's still a problem. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we're just in our final thoughts uh, section now. But as you Yeah, said, we're like, we're done with this book. About, Let's end. <laughs> about them uh, just like picking up and leaving their house. I did like a little bit of a Wikipedia search before this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was looking up at like the actual history of the family. I was yeah. also like looking at all their like the second book. I don't know if the first book had it, but it had like the family tree and it had all the, like, the dates they died yes. in it, which I was just like, so like, when did she write this? Who is dead by the time she wrote this? Because <laughs> I was wondering if she wrote it just after her dad dying. And she was very nostalgic for that era. Right. But it was like, her dad died in 1902. So it was like almost 30 years, 30 years after her dad died that she wrote this. Yeah, she published it in the 30s, right? Yeah, and so her mom yeah, died 30s, in the 20s. Yeah. And actually, her sister Mary died not that much longer than her mom. So it was closest to Mary's yeah. death, actually, that she wrote these. That's interesting. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, and there's Carrie. There were two more children. One died really young. And then there's a fourth sister. That were born much later. Yeah, I think that I read most of the books because Mm -hmm. some of this sounds familiar. Yeah, maybe. 
but it's it was so long ago. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure in one of the later books, there's this weird plot point where like they get the scarlet fever and Mary goes blind. Oh, and and then she's just blind for the rest of the books, and it's really oh damn. It's like they the family just gets sick, and then like you know one of them dies or one of them something horrible happens. It's like how in uh, Prairie they all get malaria. Yeah, like that's wild. I, <laughs> I mean, know, in yeah. uh, in North America we don't have malaria anymore Mm -hmm. but it used to be here oh yeah and yeah they just all got it and like all survived luckily yeah with no like modern medicine right yeah um i was just saying oh yeah so back to the house um so in real life uh they moved to the prairies and then found out they had to leave um because they illegally settled where they were yeah uh and There's something about the guy who bought because they in the book it's mentioned that someone's buying the house from them in the woods, and then they find out that something happened and like the guy didn't end up paying them for it or he didn't actually buy it. He never moved in, so they went back to the original house, lived there for oh. a couple of years, and then moved back to the prairies a few years later. And Carrie was actually born the first time they lived in the prairies. She was so like oh interesting. The memories of Carrie are actually from the when they like went back to the woods, but that's not done in the books. In the books, they just kept going right. west. Hmm. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, yeah, so that, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So you can't trust everything you read, kids, just because it says autobiographical doesn't yeah. mean it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, so she did true. take some like uh, creative liberties, but I also was yeah. wondering because I'm like, she's what five years old in the first yeah. She book? couldn't clearly sh- like the dialogue is made up. Like yeah, a lot of clearly the a lot of things she had up. to like yeah, yeah fill in the blanks and be like yeah, I exactly. kind of remember what happened here, but like mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I thought that was kind of fun uh, reading about yeah, the that is interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she yeah. lived the longest of her siblings. She lived to 90 years old. And her husband was 10 years older than her, and she had her first daughter at 19. So she married, like, a 28, 29-year-old when she was, like, 18, 19. Just saying. Fun. That's the 1870s for you. Love that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This yeah. series, man. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. I, d- I did have, like, a couple more thoughts. Yeah, um, go for it. So many wild animals and like wild right. animal stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bear from the the big woods uh, when the when Ma encounters the bear, it's like uh, late at night and Pa's not home and she's going out because she thinks that the cow like got out of the barn and is in like the pen. Mm-hmm. So she goes out and like slaps the butt of the cow and she's like, "Hey, get into the barn!" And then holds up the lantern and realizes she just smacked a bear on the butt. And she's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and she's like, "Go back inside, girls!" And then they just like go inside, and the bear leaves. <laughs> and it just it's like seems outlandish, and yet growing up where we grew up, we encountered bears very frequently and oh, sometimes yeah. cougars. So like similar mm-hmm. to what they're calling panthers, like mountain lion type yeah. creatures. Um. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny because we did have those weird encounters too. Like my, uh, maybe like 10 years ago now, my mom heard this like weird sound late at night. Uh, so she like turned on the outside lights and opened the door to like take a peek out and see if a bear had like knocked over the garbage can or something. Mm -hmm. And there was a bear sitting on like the front mat leaning against the the front door. So she opened, she opened the door and the bear like almost fell in and she had to like shove the door closed and lock it because the bear like was falling into the house. And she like somehow with like, you know, mom adrenaline or managed to shut the door and lock it. 
and then I don't the think next I've heard day, story. That's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Like my mom basically fought a bear in our house, you know, yeah. <laughs> TLDR. But <laughs> but yeah, the next day she went outside. She's like the the like entry mat that the bear sat on was so stinky she had to throw it away because it was a nasty bear. Oh no. <laughs> oh, and I, it also like threw garbage all like it got a garbage all over the house because as yeah. we all know, bears love garbage. So. Oh yeah. It's so funny. So like yeah, growing up in BC, like obviously I'm like stay away from bears, but like yeah. for the most part, I'm like, as long as like you don't bother a bear, it's not gonna bother you. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. Just like yeah, I've stay been, inside. Like a parking lot away from a bear before and it just it walked by and I just stood there. Yeah, like fine. if you don't bother, it's yeah. not gonna bother you. And if you don't have food, you're fine. Uh but like gr- being in Ontario now, like people are just like, You just saw bears walking down the street i was like yeah sometimes that happened like yeah you would just like get stuck inside because there was a bear hanging around yeah or like cougars on the on the school field or something yeah, yeah. i'm way more afraid of cougars <laughs> or I was, oh yeah they're way more deadly that was, Coug- so we i don't fuck about, with cougars <laughs> we were no. talking about lockdown drills in school and i was like yeah. oh yeah we had like uh the interior threat and exterior threat and people were like exterior threat and i was like that was mostly if there was it's like cougars it's cougars, cougars. Or a bear was on the ground <laughs> yeah. and they're all like what was, yeah, yeah, if there's a bear, you know, the ground, giant you can cats that the, leap. They're like, hey, just stay inside, everyone. You can move around. Yeah, just don't go, don't go outside. outside. <laughs> Close the doors. Yeah, I mean, and like we, I would walk through this little trail to get to to school, mm-hmm. and at certain times of year, there would be like a sign saying "bear in the area" or like a cougar was spotted here yesterday. Watch out! And we just like fucking have to walk through the woods anyway. Right. And you'd just be like looking up at the treetops, being like, "Is a giant cat gonna pounce on me and murder me today?" Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was a genuine fear that we had. Yeah, uh, that still exists. Like a couple years ago, I was running in my neighborhood, and there's mm-hmm. like a a woods, like a park. And I ran by and there was a sign being like, there's a couple of cougars in here right now. And I was like, cool, I'll stay on the outside of the woods. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it, it is something that you become desensitized to, to a certain extent. Yeah. But but the other thing is that like our wild, well, our bears at least are like so much more sort of tame or domesticated than they would have been like 150 yeah, years Yeah, there's so much ago, more they were encountering humor. them. Humans, and especially yeah. like, yeah, like all the other wild animals, it's definitely like a more dangerous time i think for them yeah. to and just say in, in our woods, area but... it was mostly black bears we came across which are oh, just yeah, like yeah winnie the pooh like <laughs> yeah black bears are chill they're fine yeah yeah um another one this is so off topic but i only recently found out that like raccoons don't exist in europe and that blew my oh. mind i was like what eats your trash in europe <laughs> what eats and your trash like, you can just leave yeah, they your trash outside bears either. i'm like what you can just leave <laughs> your trash outside in europe that's fucking wild Nothing's we our garbage cans they're like our boxes. garbage cans have like clips on them that lock the so that bears yeah, and can, raccoons like, can't get in <laughs> yeah. like, they're like maybe a fox will eat it and i'm like nothing oh my God. eats your trash you could just That's leave so it wild. On the <laughs> you don't have to go out at 6 a.m to take out your garbage because it's wow. too dangerous to leave it overnight it's dangerous that is just it's if you leave it outside in the summer you'll wake up and there'll be garbage all over your lawn like oh, yeah. guaranteed we weren't yeah. allowed to have a compost as kids we lived right on the forest edge so there was like oh, yeah, you did. we yeah. are not allowed to compost because it will yeah, get too sticky and attract too many bears yeah there was a couple of summers where bears and like raccoons and skunks will use like a certain like highway well they're they'll like sort of use the same path for a while mm-hmm. and there was like a bear sort of route that went through over the fence in my backyard into my neighbor's backyard. It would like hop fences going oh, yeah. through people's lawns instead of walking on the street. Mm-hmm. 
and we had like berry bushes right there. And one year, I think a bear tried to climb over our fence, but it was a little tubby and, uh, you know, not athletic. And it sort of broke the fence. <laughs> there was just a, my dad sort of had to fix it because the fence was broken because a bear just like fell on it or something. Oh, poor bear. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. It walked I'm away. Sure but it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, bear stories from kids who grew up in yeah, the wilderness. We could probably go another half hour with just bear stories, but we should probably yeah. keep going. That's okay. We're ending on that's a more fair. lighthearted note than we started. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, any other fun facts, yep. final thoughts before we start to wrap up? Yeah. Just me being dumb is, I think this is partially me conflating it with End of Green Gables too, but when I was mm-hmm. little, I thought that this took place in Canada because yeah, same. Like they make maple syrup and I was that's like, oh, of course. <laughs> our people I remember, and then um, i was like wait they're in america yeah i remember in grade three same class that i'm pretty sure we read this book was um we were in partners and we had to do some kind of project on an, a canadian province and my friend and i were like obviously we want to do the one that little house is set in so we yeah. go like running up to the teacher we're like which province is little house in the big woods or little house in the prairie set in she was like oh it's american actually so none of them <laughs> like, and we're like me. what <laughs> She was like, well, if you want to do a prairie, we have prairie provinces. We're like, no, "No, they're boring. (laughs) I'm sorry, Manitoba? No. I'm so sorry if you're from Manitoba listening to this, but like, I cannot name a single They know too, Allison. They know. (laughs) They got Royal Winnipeg Ballet. That's it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Not Canadian. (laughs) Shall we jump into some final thoughts? yeah let's do it let's just destroy the book one more time here we go so um i think this is the first book slash series we've read on this podcast that truly ruined it for me uh big woods is like cute but a little boring due to the total lack of a plot and uh, prairie just really put a damper on it all so um yeah for sure i think i'm gonna give it a three maybe a four but i'm leaning towards a three yeah that's yeah i agree Mm -hmm. yeah for sure prairie just ruined the whole series for me i can't look at these books the same way again and i i don't think i would recommend a reread honestly in good conscience or read it to kids now like i think that this book would do more harm than good even in like a teaching environment where Mm -hmm. kids are meant to learn about racism and colonialism there are other books that are less problematic that can teach them the same lessons yeah in a less harmful way exactly (laughs) i don't think that these need to be the tools that we use to teach kids about stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh yeah and i i think there's a reason why nobody really, you know, talks about these books anymore. So we found the reason. That uh, it. It's clear. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm going to have to give it, I think, a three out of ten. And pretty much for nostalgia and the sort of nice nature descriptions in the first book. The, the first one wasn't as bad, but yeah, no plot. And then the second one was just yeah, a garbage fire. It truly was. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was an experience. We read we read them. Yeah. I was waiting for the first one to, like, completely be like, wow, that's been ruined for me. It took longer than I thought. Yeah. We were talking about this before we uh, recorded because, like, we kind of expected Narnia to be a little, uh, Yeah. If you so we weren't, like, surprised understand. when we gave it a lower rating? Yeah. So it was, but like, this we one, expected it, was a bit it to more. be a bit like, yeah. mm, that wasn't great. But this one, like, I thought it was going to be cute. And then it was very racist. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to redeem. It's hard to come back from that. You it definitely can't. is. Yeah. Yeah. it wasn't even subtle. Yeah, nope. <laughs> well, ruining childhood yeah. since 
since we started. Yeah, since... Uh, <laughs> but more now. Less than a year ago. <laughs> well, maybe our next book can redeem us. I mean, our next book is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, but oh, it's fun. about racism, but, like, it's about racism. racism. Yeah. It's not yeah, It's, it's not racist. just racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, well, <laughs> as I said, our next book, join us next time for uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. This has been Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Books Before Liquor and Twitter at Books BL Podcast. And check us out on our website at booksbeforeliquorneverbeensicker.ca or email us at booksbeforeliquor at gmail.com to scream at us about great books or send us recommendations or whatever. We love to hear from you. And you can also support us by visiting patreon.com slash booksbeforeliquorneverbeensicker. And now, go drink a big glass of water. <laughs>